Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Becky Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Raina, Sydney, Fran, Grant, and Priya, undergraduate engineering students also at Duke. This episode is all about studying abroad, a very popular thing for our undergraduate students to do. We had actually recorded these interviews pre-COVID. Unfortunately, it was just at the time that we were starting to go virtual and travel was going to be extremely limited. So we decided to hold on. And now that things are opening up and our students are starting to travel again, we're hoping that the these experiences, insights and advice will be helpful. Thank you for joining us. Okay, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Bridget Sipniewski and I am a senior mechanical engineering major. And tell us, where did you go abroad? So I went abroad to Berlin in the spring of my junior year. And why did you pick Berlin? I really like the German language. It's my double major. So obviously that was a factor that I really liked. I also liked how the program was a little bit longer. You were living in a country where they were speaking the foreign language all the time. And it was kind of a little bit more tailored to engineers. Great. So do you mind giving a brief overview of the program and what you mean in the sense that it's tailored towards engineers and do you have to speak German in all of your classes? Was there a homestay, et cetera? Just go into the details of the program. Yeah, so for the engineers, there's a little bit of a German requirement. I believe it's two semesters before you go over there. Um, Their schedule over in Berlin is a little bit shifted. So you actually spend January, February, March um, just taking classes with Duke, getting better at German before you actually go into um, the Technical University in Berlin to take your classes, which tend to be in German. Um, so you're taking most of your classes in German, but you can always find a few English ones if you really want to. Um, I stayed in a homestay from January to August when I left. That was right in the center of the city. I really liked it. It was a great opportunity for me to like talk to people in German, not just in classes, but also at home. And what were the ramifications of going during the uh, spring semester versus the fall semester? So the spring semester for Duke and Berlin is seven months long, which is significantly longer than most abroad programs. Um, And so that also meant you're staying for that spring semester as well as the summer. So for some people, like the ramifications to worry about were kind of staying involved and maybe getting that internship that most people try to get during their summer. So that's something that a lot of people kept in mind um, when they were kind of planning and figuring out their classes and how much free time they wanted for things like jobs or internships. Some people say with the spring that they feel like they're going to miss out on basketball and some of the other fun activities on campus. Did you have any worries or, or feel like that after or during the program? I had so much fun on the programs that I wasn't constantly worrying about like what I was missing at Duke's campus. Um, basketball was kind of sad. Uh, occasionally, I would set an alarm for like 2 a.m. to walk, wake up and watch the game. So I did that for the Duke UNC game. Um, but besides that, there's so much going on and so much that you're doing and you can do that I definitely didn't have like a fear of missing out. So since it is a seven-month program, are you taking more than a four-class workload? Are you taking double that amount? Like how many credits transfer over to Duke? Um, I'm not pre- super sure like the precise number, but it's definitely more than four. I think I got maybe like seven-ish mm-hmm. courses um, because for the first three months, you're taking a handful of German classes. Um, and then in April, when the technical university starts up, then I was taking three classes there. So it was a longer time. I was 
working kind of at a slower pace the entire time. Everything was a little bit more spread out, but I still got in more classes than I would at a semester at Duke. And what's the workload? Uh, Traditionally, we hear that study abroad, the workload is not that heavy. Is that also what you found to be true in Germany? At the beginning, when you're when we were learning German, we were in class pretty often. So I would say the workload, although a little less, was somewhat comparable uh, just in time. When we actually started classes at the technical university, their system's really different. You don't have homeworks, and I never had any labs. 100% of your grade came down to the final. So like my time was so much more flexible. And if there was something that I knew and didn't feel like I needed to do the homework, like I didn't have to. Um, So it was kind of more like self-decided. It can make the final a little bit stressful, but I would say overall, like the workload was less. Were your engineering classes in German? I know you mentioned some courses you could take in English, um, but most were in German. And how did that affect how difficult the classes were? Uh, So it kind of depends what your major is and what credits like you're trying to get done. Um, So I know some people took maybe only courses are in English or maybe like one course in German, one course in English. Um, All of my courses were in German. And by the time I actually started those, I'd been in Berlin for like a full three months. um, And I'd also done three semesters of German. So I was definitely challenged, but not super overwhelmed um, because I had the physical notes from the class and I was also listening to the lecturer. And then if I needed to go back, I can like go and translate my notes. I always had a little running vocab list. So it was a little bit of a challenge. I probably wasn't learning quite as fast as I would if the classes were in English, but I also ended up being a lot more thorough in how I studied. So I do feel like I understood it a little bit better, even though like it's a challenge, but it's definitely not impossible. So what were the highlights and lowlights of the program in your mind? I think the highlights of the program, um, besides just the day-to-day of kind of living in a new city that was a super different pace from Duke, um, I also got to travel a lot. I have extended family over in Germany who I'd never met before. And so I got to go on like a one-week family like retreat, vacation, reunion thing. And that to me was so much fun. I'm never going to forget that. Low light. I also feel like because it's seven months, maybe like maybe five months into it, you kind of just like you super adjust to that pace and then you kind of begin to slow down, which can be nice. You're used to the city, but also like you can go like two weeks and be like, oh, my God, I didn't do anything. (laughs) So keeping that in mind was a little bit of a low light. And any recommendations for students considering Berlin? I would fully recommend it. It's great. I wouldn't freak out about losing the summer or losing the semester. I think everybody made it work um, and found new ways to be involved. Um, And I would just say, like, you know, do it and stay involved and meet new people and have a fun time. So last question. Do you you find... um Are there any opportunities that came about from being in the program that you did not expect to have? Um, Yeah, I feel like meeting family was like kind of a little bit of an opportunity for me. Um, I know a lot of people found like fun running clubs or research projects or like just jobs around the city that got them super involved. Um, I know that being able to speak German with my family was helpful, like also my family that's in the U.S. Um, And that actually came up a lot in... uh, like interviews for jobs because I was doing the, you know, senior postgrad job search this fall. And the fact that it came up when like anyone had an office in Germany, they were like, oh my gosh, you need to talk to like Rob. He's in charge of that. And it would be a great conversation starter. So even as a resume booster, it was pretty great. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much. Okay. Can you guys intro yourself, please? Hi, I'm Mitchell Frisch. I'm a junior studying mechanical engineering here at Duke. 
I'm Becca Leggett. I'm also a junior here studying mechanical engineering. And where did you go study abroad? Uh, I went to UNSW in Sydney, Australia. I also went to UNSW <laughs> in Sydney, Australia. And what were some of the highlights and why did you pick that program? Mm, let's see. Well, I guess some of the highlights were um, just, I guess, kind of getting to travel around and see somewhere new, completely different from Duke um, and getting kind of a refresher of that work-life balance um, in kind of my mindset towards school. Um, I'd say a big highlight as well was just getting close with a lot of people outside of ME too. Um, I was not only were you with people in your mechanical engineering program, but um, also with a lot of people who I hadn't had a chance to take classes with before and got close with a lot of people at Duke or from Duke um, who then I got to bring those friendships back to Duke. Um, That was definitely a big highlight. Um, I would say UNSW was an obvious choice for me because of the classes offered and the opportunity to explore somewhere I've never been, um, never been to any part of the world near Australia. Um, some of the highlights, I think I agree with Mitch about the work-life balance. Like That was really important to have um, that perspective again about how important it is to work hard and also like enjoy your life and balance your time. Um, new friendships were amazing. I think just like the adventures that we went on, um, a lot of cool trips in and out, within and out of Australia. Um, I was like out of my comfort zone a lot, so that was, I think, a really important experience. And yeah, I think Sydney is a really great city. Any classes that you recommend for, for that particular program? Hmm. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the marine environment course we took, um, which I think was like an NS, um, counted as an NS for the ME degree. It was kind of Australia um, focused. So it was kind of getting, you kind of learned a bit about the culture of Australia a little bit more and how they viewed the environment and how they viewed it um, in comparison to the way the U.S. kind of views it. And I thought that was really interesting as well as got to, um, they kind of took you to some of the beaches and areas around Sydney and kind of got a little bit more um, in-depth into the city um, as well as uh, studying the course in itself. Um, I took fluids and materials there and would recommend that for people if that's an option. Um, I enjoyed both of those professors in those classes. And then I also took this class called Media Rights, Media Wrongs, which was um, interesting to take outside the United States and get a better perspective on how we handle media and um, events and such. Like, so that was an interesting class to take in another country. Did you guys encounter the droughts at all in Australia? And how did that impact any of your experience in any way? Yeah, um, I guess we didn't really... Maybe perhaps drought, it seems like drought was just a constant kind of thing, that they were always a little bit more water conscious, which was kind of interesting. Um, but we definitely saw the fires come up towards the end um, and things got definitely got a bit more smoky in Sydney. So, um, you know, some days you know, the smoke would roll in just depending on the winds. And so that would make it a little tough in the sense of um, towards the end when it started to get warmer and a little bit more towards the summer season, you couldn't, it was harder to enjoy just going to the beach or something. So that definitely made it a little bit more difficult. Um, And that was a shame to kind of see um, just kind of the minds or like see the, like all the fires come in and how devastating that was, especially. Um, 
But in terms of the beginning, it didn't really affect us. But definitely towards the end, you saw uh, an increase in smoke and some of like the national parks were closed because of fire. So um, that definitely was a little hard and trying to plan some stuff out, especially last minute when you were trying to, you know, see Australia for the, you know, your final little week in Australia or something you want to do the most. Um, that made it a little bit more difficult for sure. Yeah, I would say we were minimally affected, but towards the end a little bit more. Like I mm-hmm. lived in a dorm on campus that didn't have AC, so we just opened our windows. And then whenever it was a bad day for the smoke, they would make us close our windows because a lot of students had like asthma or, or respiratory issues. Um, so that was like a way that we were affected. And then I remember I was flying from Tasmania up north into Sydney and we flew over um, a bushfire and it was insane to see it from a plane, like to look over it and see how widespread like the smoke and the fire was. Um, I don't know, I think it made me just a little bit more aware of how like other um, places are like affected by natural disasters because that's not something as much we face like in North Carolina or I'm from DC, so not in DC. So yeah, we were, I'm grateful we were not affected by it, but a lot of people were. It was definitely interesting to see kind of the different ways they handled it compared to the U.S. I mean, where I'm from in, I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, and it's very lush and green and there's just like, you know, you're walking by and there's flowing rivers, but then when you go hiking or something in Australia, it's very dry and you just see kind of that different there's not as many just like water fountains all over the place it felt like as compared to the u.s so I don't, it just felt a little bit more um water conscious and you kind of noticed those subtle differences which was kind of interesting as well what's one thing that you recommend to fellow students to take advantage of so we know the travel travel a bit but it, whether it's a class thing or or academic or non-academic yeah, I would. Uh, one suggestion I would say is is take advantage of those relationships with other people outside of Duke as well as from abroad. I mean, um, try and and maximize those. I'd say that's the one thing that if I could do again, I would probably uh, try to be better about. Like making those relationships, starting those conversations with just um, the other students studying abroad, as well as just the other students in classes and whatnot, try and, and push yourself out of your comfort zone to uh, make more of those relationships would definitely push that more. Yeah, like I said, I lived in a dorm with Australian students, and that was one of the most incredible experiences because like you live uh, side by side, and you're always hanging out with like mostly Australian students, and that was really nice and not only was it great they like knew the cities really well and that sort of thing but it was really fun to like make friends from around the world who have very just dis- different like senses of humor like that sort of thing so that was really enjoyable and probably one of the most valuable experiences of studying abroad was making um, friends with the Australian students but yeah I would say just take advantage of where you are um, I feel like that was an, an opportunity that like is very unique to one point in your life. So just really take advantage of where you are and the resources you have access to and the people you have access to. Any Australian lingo you're taking back? (laughs) I still say like brekkie and goon. What's a a goon? 
It's boxed wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goon's definitely a big one. Sometimes uh, Maccas will come just for fun. I don't really use it all that much. That's, what's what's Maccas? That's McDonald's, they call it. <laughs> they shorten literally everything, everything. they say. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to say anything. things like Reckon and like, you know, just so people remember that I went abroad, but... <laughs> Cheers. 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 I, took, I, did, I say cheers. That's, That's how I end my emails now. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to pick up the lingo. I was pretty horrible at it, actually. But Yeah, I was pretty bad as well. <laughs> that sounds great, right? Anything else? Um, how has the semester been coming back to Duke? What was the process of kind of getting back into that swing of the Duke page? This is a good question, uh, Becca. You know, honestly, I was, I was – not gonna lie kind of scared about coming back and like I thought especially I mean I think abroad you get into a little bit your grades are pass fail so you get a little bit of a of a break from the Duke stress per se and I was a little nervous coming back especially because I felt like sophomore year was pretty tough that's a pretty strenuous year in terms of the ME um, curriculum and but to be honest it it hasn't been as bad as I thought, which I was really a little surprised and very happy with. I feel like coming back from abroad, I've learned to kind of value my time a little bit better. I'm not, um, I guess, I, again, we talked earlier about that that work-study balance, and I felt like Australia kind of helped me learn that a little bit. I mean, I think you learn at Duke to really push your academics forward and you get into those a bit high stress situations. But um, yeah, I I haven't been as overwhelmed as I thought, I guess, but um, definitely have been utilizing those skills I learned abroad. Yeah, I was expecting to have a huge reality check upon returning to Duke, but like Mitch said, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, I, I think said, I think that means that some of your professors can give you more work. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say I, I was excited to come back to Duke and like hoping I would be pushed again in my academics, like challenged and um, find passion again for school because definitely while studying abroad, I wasn't as motivated. Um, so it was kind of nice to come back and feel like passionate about what you're studying again um obviously great to see your friends but i would say like bringing the work-life balance back to duke has been really important and i think will help me like sustain going for the next year and a half um and not burn out um so yeah i think that was like a really good lesson to bring back and you guys did not feel disadvantaged for the internship application process or were you worried about that at all um no i I didn't really feel too disadvantaged i kind of had something lined up a little bit for the next summer um when i was abroad actually from last summer so that kind of um helped in that sense but it seemed like everyone as well who i was with was able to um kind of work on that application process while abroad and perhaps maybe had some more time to do it even in terms of um not having as much work workload as Duke, but um, probably time zones seem to be the biggest thing. I know some people had to like, you know, I mean, obviously it was opposite, completely flipped. So um, that was definitely a little bit of a struggle, kind of staying up a little later for interviews and stuff like that. Um, but didn't seem, I didn't notice it being anything too bad. Yeah. I, I'd say it definitely is a little bit harder, but it, it all works out in the end. Um, it was like a little bit harder to contact people you didn't have career fairs, that sort of thing. And some a few companies, I think, were a little turned off by you, you being abroad and not being able to do, like, on-campus recruiting or domestic recruiting, stuff like that. 
Um, some people had no problem at all, but I remember a ton of our friends, they would be, they'd be like, yeah, I have a call at 4 a.m. Like, you know, a lot, like many weeks, they would have calls in the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, it is like a little bit harder, but it does work out in the end. And if something you, if studying abroad is something you want to do, like, I don't think job recruiting should hold you back because it will work out. Excellent. Okay. Hi, I'm Julia. Go to Duke. I'm a junior. I went abroad at the University of Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm Lewis Jensen. I'm also a junior at Duke, and I also went abroad with Julia to the University of Edinburgh last semester. So first question, how did you guys pick Edinburgh? And and also, why did you decide to do study abroad? I knew I wanted to study abroad. If I couldn't study abroad with engineering, I wouldn't have majored in engineering. Ah, so you knew coming in very first day. Yeah. My mom studied abroad and she has talked about it my entire life, so I had to. And then how did you pick Edinburgh? Because I could take engineering classes at Edinburgh. Um, so I wasn't sure that I wanted to study abroad when I came to Duke, but I just heard really great things about it from upperclassmen and that it was at one of their favorite semesters of college. And so I thought I, it would be a great experience and that I really wanted to do it. Um, I decided to go to Edinburgh because, well, they speak English, which is good <laughs> for me. And they offer a lot of the engineering classes I needed to take. Um, I was deciding between Edinburgh and Australia, but I eventually decided on Edinburgh just because I... I knew some people going there and I wanted to go to Europe and be able to explore that area of the world. Now, were you concerned? So, Julia, you said right from the get-go, I'm, I'm studying abroad, but I know a lot of people hesitate because they worry, they hear great things about the program. So then they think, oh, should I be considering this? But then they, I hear a lot of students that worry about, am I missing out on recruitment in the fall? Was that on your radar at all? Um, I was a little bit worried about it, but it, I heard that it would be fine and you could do stuff online and talk to do Skype interviews and things like that. And it wor all worked out fine. So what about the classes? So I, I will tell you the students tell me the classes are, should I say ridiculously easy? Is that is that unfair? I wouldn't say ridiculously easy in terms of like the content, but the amount the workload is just insane, like significantly less than at Duke. So is that problem sets, tests? What does that mean that the, the workload is a lot less? I, maybe for my classes, at least, probably the same, a similar amount of, of labs, but there were no problem sets that, like the, our grade was essentially only the final and our lab reports. So that was what was different. Now, is there a, a favorite professor or class that you recommend there? We had this professor named Tom Bruce, and he is... He's awesome. He wanted us to stay in touch with him. He like oh. called us our little corner of abroad students because we would go to his class and he knew who we were. And he taught two of my classes there. And he was just so kind. And I got pretty good at imitating his Scottish accent when I was there. Um, yeah. Engineering class? Yes, there were two engineering classes. Um, yeah. So take his classes, I guess. But if you're mechanical, you'll be forced to, basically. He's, so he's the, he's the guy. Uh, I was in a lot of big classes, so I didn't get to know any of my professors personally. But I took a machine learning class for computer science. That was really cool. And what, what about like the financial part? Did you find that it, it uh, ended up costing more or less? Do you know? Less. Cost less? Yeah. Like significant less? Significantly less. Because I directly enrolled at the University of Edinburgh, and there the overseas tuition is like, I think, a fifth the um, oh. of like I think like around a, a fourth or a fifth of what 
the Duke tuition is. So already that like just like minimized it greatly. And then like traveling cost money, but it wasn't so significant that it would put it over the cost of going to Duke. How has the transition back to Duke and the academic workload been? Not fun, but it's been fine. It's just like, I have to do this homework. Why? You know, makes you question more. I feel like I maybe care a little bit less about grades, but I don't, I don't really know. That might just be me. So, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely been a lot more work here now that we're back, but it's good to be back and see everyone and be back in a routine. And it sort of feels like we're just stepping right back in where we left off. So what was the best place that you went outside of Edinburgh? Um, Probably my favorite visit was to Madrid. I think my favorite cities to visit were Amsterdam and Budapest. And, and did you have this all planned out before you went or this was on the fly? Um, some A few trips were planned out, but I'd say most were on the fly, like probably a month in advance of the trip. But while we were there. What, what were the highlights of Edinburgh? I think we had a great group of people there and the city was just absolutely amazing. So, so did this include people that you met there or the fact that you had a cohort that went over together? I enjoyed meeting the people that I met there, but I think especially the group of Duke students that ended up there was a really great group. And, and so what was the downside? Uh, by the end, I just sort of missed home and being in like a regular routine where I knew people and what I was doing. But overall, I'm really happy I went for sure. My name is Diego. I am a junior mechanical engineer, and I studied abroad in Madrid. Why did you choose to study abroad? I chose to study abroad because I thought it would be a good experience for me to expand my view of the world and of other countries. Um, I figured that at this age, it would be a good time to go around and explore countries while I still have time, and I wanted to see what school in another country was like. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to explore different different options. And why did you choose to study in Madrid specifically? And can you talk a little bit about what the program was? I chose to study in Madrid because uh, I have a cousin who went to Madrid and she said great things about it. Um, plus, I wouldn't have to struggle with the language at all. Um, and I knew... I've heard good things about the Duke and Madrid program overall, and I felt like that would just be ideal for me, being in a a country that speaks my native language and being part of such a good program. Um, So the Duke and Madrid program was uh, two Duke and classes that you took at the Duke and Madrid Center. Um, Both of them counted for Duke credit. And then the other two were engineering classes that you took at a Spanish university that was on the outside of Madrid. And how did engineering play into your decision both to study abroad and to study in Madrid? Because we've talked to some other engineers at Duke who've done other programs. Part of the reason why Madrid was perfect was because not every school available has engineering classes that one can take. So when I was making my decision for which country to go to, the first thing I was mainly looking at was um, which schools have the 
you know, mechanical engineering classes available. And of those classes, which best, best fit my schedule. Um, for example, some of them didn't have fluids available mm-hmm. or the last wasn't approved. So therefore it didn't make sense for me to go there and then have to uh, retake a lab portion or, or uh, just fall behind with my engineering classes. So um, the fact that Madrid had two of the classes I needed at that moment helped quite a lot. Mm-hmm. What was the best part about your experience? And then also, I guess, a low layer or the worst part? So I'd say one of the best parts of my experiences was um, getting to travel across Europe and meeting people. One of the things I never thought about study abroad was the fact that it forces you to interact with people who you'll probably never meet on campus um, just because you're not part of the same social groups or in the same classes. Um, you just don't even walk around the same parts of campus, to be honest. Um, so that's the, some of the things I enjoyed the most, just getting a chance to be new people. Um, and one of the things that I did not enjoy um, was the fact that the the Spanish university was about an hour and 15 minutes away from my homestay. Um, and the class was only like an hour to two hours. So I'd spend more time commuting than actually being in class. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think the program was great and I have no real complaints about that. Can you talk a little bit about the homestay experience and if it was positive, negative, anything interesting about that, that if you were like a freshman or sophomore considering studying abroad, what they should know about what a homestay is? Yeah, I think the homestay experience is different for everybody. Obviously, every family is different um, from the room you stay in to how many people live in the same um, apartment as you. So for me personally, I lived with a um, family of three. It was a mom and her two kids. Um, And for me personally, I really liked it because the mom was from Brazil and she moved to Madrid about 20 years ago. So she had, you know, like she knew Madrid pretty well. She had a good understanding of like Spanish culture and stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, she also lived in Brazil for most of her life. And so I got, I kind of got an experience to both cultures. Um, I learned a little bit of Portuguese while I was with her. So that was pretty nice. What would you recommend to people going to Madrid of places that you have to see or restaurants that you have to go to or anything like that activity wise? Obviously, I definitely recommend uh, traveling and seeing the rest of Europe, but I'd say you want to spend at least half your weekends in Madrid because there there is a lot to do. They have a, a park, um, it's called Retiro Park. Uh, it's this this huge, um, just open space. You always see people running. Um, it's just a beautiful scenery, and then there's always a bu- there's a bunch of museums. Um, I think in that little area, there's about two museums that are pretty pretty good to go to. Uh, Spain is a pretty like historically rich and culturally rich uh, country. So there's, I mean, there's so many things to to see depending what what you uh, what you're into. You talked a little bit about how you really enjoyed being able to 
do this program where you can meet Duke students that you don't usually hang out with or interact with on campus. Um, but going into the program, did you go in with a group of friends? Uh, was that like a factor in your decision of which program to do? Or were you kind of just going in excited to meet new people? Yeah, so I didn't really know anyone um, when it came to the program. I kind of just signed up, applied, and then I was like, okay, who do I know that's in this program? Um, I didn't really worry about who was who was going to be there, if I really knew anyone, because I knew that eventually I'd meet people. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of people went knowing mm-hmm. anyone. So I, I think the fact that you're going, quote unquote, alone to a study abroad experience shouldn't shouldn't change your decision at all. And in, in fact, I think it makes you more open to try new things and get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the actual engineering classes that you took while you were there and how they compared to a class at Duke? Yeah, so I took fluids and materials in in Spain. And one of the big differences is just the amount of times you meet. So the classes overall are longer. Um, they're, They're scheduled for up to two hours, but sometimes professors go less than that. And you only meet twice a week. Um... So considering the the commuting the commute you do that's pretty good cuz you only have to go twice a week for each class. Um another thing that that I really noticed was the amount of labs that you do over there and just the way they think about labs or whatever this year. Um over there I believe for each class total we only did about four labs and they were most of them were towards the beginning of the semester and they didn't really um, like the reports were much more different. Like you didn't expect a full report. It was just like you take data, you present the data, and that was it, mm-hmm. which was nice because I feel like I got to learn, focus more on the lab instead of just writing a report. Um, another thing I really noticed was just the amount of interactions students had with their professor, which was none at all. Like I don't think the professor knew anyone in the class, and that's for both of my classes. So, I mean, I personally didn't like that, but everybody seems to be pretty accustomed to that over there. That's really interesting because we talked to a couple students who did um, study abroad in Edinburgh who uh, talked about how they really grew to know one of their professors that they had there. Um, But one big thing that they also talked about was just the pacing of the classes. You know, at Duke, we do so many homework assignments and like midterms and things that will all contribute to your final grade. Whereas there, they just had like maybe a small percentage for labs, but then their final made up, you know, 70, 80%. Was it the same? Yeah, so over there, they didn't have homework. Well, homework was optional, but it was to the point that nobody was even aware of what was <laughs> what was assigned. So, yeah, in terms of turning things in, the only thing you had to worry about was um, <coughs> were, were the labs. And we, we had midterms, but they were a relatively small part of your grade, and they weren't really intense midterms. In fact, for my fluids, out of my three midterms, two of them were were online, and you had a week to do it. And they weren't particularly long either. So in terms of workload over the semester, it's not even comparable to the amount you get here at Duke. But then again, the amount of importance the final gets is just too much. Like if you do bad on the final, even though you did 
while the rest of the semester you still fail the class. Um, although the expectation to pass over there is much lower than the one here. So in my Madrid classes, my Spanish classes, you pass with a 50% overall. So obviously, even if you fail the final, I've got a 50%, you still pass the class overall. So it wasn't too much to worry about. So you have to plan out your study abroad experience way beforehand because you were an engineer and like really figuring out scheduling or did you find that Pratt or study abroad advising had good resources? So I had actually started looking into abroad, I believe, fall of my sophomore year. And I brought it up to my uh, academic advisor um, in one of our meetings and we just quickly went over the classes that I could take. And I didn't really have to go into it too much. I just saw that there was some available and that I could make it fit into my schedule. So um, based on that, my spring of, of sophomore year, I was able to plan ahead with my advisor and what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way I could narrow down to which class I had to take in Madrid. So the fact, I mean, going to a university that has multiple classes available is always a good option because it gives you more flexibility, which was what you want to do. Um, if you change your mind later and want to do a certificate or other things, having that option to just take different courses and still take get the credit for it, I, I think it's a it's a thing people should look out for. Do you have any regrets from study abroad of things that you didn't get to do, places you wish you had gone to, anything like that? I wish I would have explored uh, Madrid a little more. I feel like once I found areas that I really liked, I would just go there um, pretty often. There was a there was a park right right next to where I lived, and people played soccer there all the time. So I just stick to playing there instead of exploring other areas. Um, once I found a like handful of restaurants that I really liked, that's the ones I would go to. Um, so I didn't really explore it as much as I think I should have. Mm-hmm. But in terms of things I regret. I mean, I feel like I was pretty open to just meeting new people, traveling whenever I could. I don't know. I personally feel like I made the best out of my time. But um, if there's one thing I, I would regret is just not not being able to like see the actual city I was in mm-hmm. a little more. Awesome. So overall, would you recommend study abroad in general to you know sophomores or freshmen who are beginning to think about it um, and the Duke and Madrid program specifically? Yes, 100%. I think, in my opinion, I, I think everybody should study abroad at some point just because it gives you such a different perspective, not just about how the education system is different, but just of how like people in different countries view life a, bit, a little bit differently, how other countries view the U.S. Mm-hmm. or how the U.S. view, you know, it's interesting to see how the U.S. views Europe and you actually go to Europe and you see what was accurate and what was inaccurate and just the way people live you know in a more you know in a busier city um and compared to you know durham Mm -hmm. where it's a little more more calm and most of the students live live on campus i think having the chance to kind of live in the homestay and live in the city is quite a different experience and i and i really enjoyed it and i think everybody should have should have that at least once in their their college career My name is Abby Grubbs. I'm a program coordinator and study abroad advisor in the Global Education Office here at Duke. 
Wonderful. And can you tell us a little bit about the application process for students that are interested in study abroad? Yeah. So Duke in programs are administered by Duke and in most cases include, um, you know, some sort of Duke entity in that country or a Duke faculty member that's leading the program. Um, on Duke approved programs, those are run by um other U.S. or foreign universities or program providers, we call them. Um, And on those programs, students earn transfer credit. And so that means that the courses that they take, they still get credit for the course, but the grade doesn't appear on their Duke transcript or factor into their GPA. Um, The application process, it depends on whether students are applying for a Duke-in or a Duke-approved program. Um, For Duke-in programs, the entire application process is through um, our website or our application system, which is called My Global Ed. And um, it depends on the program, but most programs will require a student submit a personal statement, um, one or two letters of recommendation, a transcript. um, And that's pretty much it for the Duke in programs. Um, And then Duke approved programs can vary widely. Um, So it really depends on the program what the requirements are. But um, in all cases, students do need to fill out a short questionnaire through our application system, My Global Ed, and then they also will apply directly to the program or university that they're attending. And just to follow up for the, the requirements and also the process. So I have students in my office that are worried about their GPA. That's what I hear about a lot. And then they're talking about the deadlines. And it sounds like there's a lot of these are roll, almost like rolling deadlines. Yeah. So for GPA requirements for Pratt students, um, Pratt students have to have a 3.0 GPA in order to study abroad. Um, and so that is different than Trinity students. And so that's something that in advising, we talk a lot about with students. Um, and then deadlines for Duke in programs, if students want to go for a semester, um, for fall semester, it's um, March 1st. And for spring semester, it's October 1st. Uh, for If they want to do a summer program, then the deadline is February 1st. And for Duke approved programs, those deadlines can vary widely. And so they really need to pay attention to the website of the Duke approved program and see when their deadline is. In your experience for study abroad for Trinity versus Pratt, do you find that it's difficult for Pratt students to get courses approved if they want to create their own program? Or what does that approval process look like? Yeah, so there's kind of two different approval processes. One is if you're attending either a Duke-in or Duke-approved program and need to just get courses approved. Um, In that case, the process itself is is the same as Trinity students. You would send a syllabus to um, one of my colleagues in our office and he would, you know, correspond with the DUS to get the course approved for transfer credit. Um, And then the other thing you mentioned was kind of creating your own program. And so that's what we call the petition process. So if students want to um, go somewhere where we don't have an approved program, um, then they do need to meet with an advisor and we go over that process. It is more involved, Mm -hmm. um, but I have worked with Pratt students over the years who've, who've successfully done that. Do you think that Australia is popular because in Pratt there's no language requirement? Yeah, I've kind of been mulling that question over. I don't know if I've really met with a lot of Pratt students who really want to go to, I don't know, for example, Lisbon, and they don't have the Portuguese necessary to go to Lisbon. Um, Usually it's students prefer to take classes in English. Um, 
And so I don't see that as a huge barrier. We also have, you know, some programs where students can kind of combine language study with taking classes in English. So, for example, on Duke and Madrid, um, students can take those engineering courses in English while also taking language courses. Can you talk a little bit about the financial commitment uh, for going abroad and if that's comparable to a semester at Duke and if that's kind of a factor in students' decisions to actually study abroad? In terms of finances, so the good news is that if students receive financial aid, then their um, financial aid will transfer over to semester study abroad, whether that's a Duke in or Duke approved program. Um, what the cost ends up being will depend on whether it's a Duke in or Duke approved program. Um, with Duke in programs, uh, students' family contributions remain the same. So um, whatever they pay to come to Duke, if they're on financial aid, they'll pay to do the Duke in program. And for Duke approved programs, as long as the cost of the program doesn't exceed the cost of Duke for a semester, then um, their family contributions will also remain the same. And there's very few programs that actually end up being more expensive than a semester at Duke. Um, and then if students are not receiving financial aid, then they pay directly you know, either the cost of the Duke in program or the cost of the uh, Duke approved program. We do work really closely with the financial aid office um, to make sure that they're covering not only tuition and housing fees, but also out of pocket expenses like plane tickets, visas, living expenses, things like that. Um, and so I think Duke is really lucky that financial aid is so supportive of study abroad. Um, I, you know, just based on my own experience, not all institutions are like that. Any downsides to studying abroad? Yeah. So um, I was also thinking about that on the way over here. Um, I mean, I'm definitely, when I meet with students, I don't, I'm not like the type to say, oh, everyone should study abroad. I think it depends on each student's individual trajectory here at Duke. I would say one of the mo most common questions I get is, um, you know, should I study abroad? I'm trying to weigh, you know, these opportunities here on campus versus this semester abroad. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the downsides could be that Duke is a really cool place to study. And so you are in some senses giving up a semester of that experience to, you know, go abroad. Um, and whether that's worth it to you, you kind of have to think about that. I think that's kind of an individual decision. But, um, you know, I think some of the benefits to studying abroad are, um, you know, learning new perspectives on the topics that you've learned here at Duke, um, you know, depending on the location, you know, definitely some intercultural skills, maybe language skills added on there. Um, you know, I talked to students who um, make really great connections abroad with professors um, that, you know, help them later on. And so there can be a lot of really tangible benefits to studying abroad, um, you know, besides the fun things like travel and, you know, um, mm -hmm. experiencing, you know, new places, things like that, being independent. This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editors are Priya Juarez and Raina Rabansky. 
Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks. We'll be chatting with Duke Administration on academic integration and also taking a look into the Duke Innovation Collab. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com.